Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Say What Again Billy podcast. And in the world of paranormal and strange news, this week the mysterious Georgia Guidestones were destroyed in an explosion. The Georgia Guidestones, a mysterious granite monument featuring 10 guiding principles in eight different languages that's been at the center of several conspiracy theories. Some thinking that it was involved in a satanic worship were destroyed on July 6th. These Georgia Guidestones read, Guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. Unite humanity with living new language. Rule passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. Protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. Let all nations rule internally. Resolving external disputes in world court. Avoid petty laws and useless officials. Balance personal rights with social duties. Prize truth, beauty, love, seeking harmony with the infinite. Be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. Has a certain new world order about it. And I'm sure about 7.5 billion people euthanized would agree with that. And that is from a quote from an Instagram comment about the Georgia Guidestones. Also within the Guidestones, the main focus, the main guideline in the Guidestone was maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. Now, a lot of people thought this was involvement with the New World Order. There's a big history with the Georgia Guidestones. We could save that for another episode, but that was destroyed via an explosion on July 6th. And ultimately, the whole monument, from my knowledge, was taken down due to the the structure being... um, uh, the integrity of the structure was, you know, completely damaged from the explosion, so they knocked the whole thing down. Planetologists discover, a pa- I'm sorry, paleontologists discover a new dinosaur that had tiny arms like T-Rex. Now, I'm doing my best to pronounce this, the Muraxis gigas. Uncovered in northern Patagonia, Argentina, was a giant predatory dinosaur roamed the earth millions of years ago before T-Rex and had tiny, tiny, itty-bitty arms. Now, the person that found this named it after some show or movie, and this just continues to show you that we are still finding things. And the last but not least, Florida sounds the alarm about the giant African land snail that may cause meningitis. Invasive pests, experts share the signs to be on the lookout for these Florida swarming um, these new Florida snails that are from Africa, the giant African land snail that causes meningitis. So we have yet another worry about when it comes to insects. Um, We've had these spiders that were able to like parachute a couple of months ago that was announced. We have in the area that I live in and I work in a very famous park in the Bronx, we are on the lookout for these lantern flies, which basically can kill trees and kill other things around it once it infests certain trees. Um, that's around, and now we have these giant African land snails. So we have some crazy things to look at, and uh, these snails are gigantic. I'm actually looking at a photo of it right now as I read the news, and the actually the news comes to a conclusion. But um, we're finding fossils. We're getting some insects from... and different nature from different continents and the Georgia Guidestones are completely gone, which that's something that I'll touch base with on another episode. But if you're into the occult New World Order or things involving satanic, satanic 
rituals and cults. Uh, definitely look at that. I've looked into it in the past. It was said to be like the um, United States version of Stonehenge. And uh, there's a lot to it. The story doesn't go back too far. It actually goes to the uh, mid to late 80s when these were actually built, I believe, in Georgia. So if you're interested in looking into that, that's something that you can easily Google and get the whole scoop on that. You know, when I was growing up and I started getting into the paranormal and started researching it, there was not too much to really look into. I remember getting my first laptop in the eighth grade when I graduated. Um, one of my family members had bought me a laptop and that's when the internet was really starting to boom um, with the AOL and the instant messaging and all that and going on Yahoo to do some searches and you know, basically if you wanted to find something, you'd go online and type in a search on Yahoo and you would get a whole bunch of things. And back then there was a thing called web TV. And I remember going to one of my friend's house who was highly into the paranormal. Me and him became friends because we had very similar interests. And oddly enough, his mom was into ghosts and paranormal stuff, just as my mom was. And I guess you could say our moms was the spark to get us into like, you know, paranormal, supernatural stuff. I remember going to his place on, you know, I guess you could say, um, you know, play, play dates or hangouts or whatever you, whatever have you. Um, and this was like anywhere from fifth to, you know, eighth grade or in the same gap, in the same range, uh, maybe a little even earlier. And I remember he had web TV and we would go in his room and he'd pull out the keyboard, which was wireless and hooked up somehow to the TV. And we'd go online and look up all these weird and strange things and look at, you know, look at videos, look at photos. And in the research I did in with my laptop and my friend who had web TV, and that's something that many people don't remember, kind of, kind of gives away my age. The, um, a lot of the pictures, if you typed in ghost pictures, a lot of the pictures that would come up immediately were older pictures. Some of the first ghost paranormal pictures um, from time from when the start of paranormal caught on camera literally started. And there are a lot of photos that I looked at that actually stand out that have a significant backstory. And if you're someone that's into the paranormal and Googling ghost photos, some photos that will pop up are these photos that I speak of, these older photos from many, many years ago. And I kind of wanted to cover and touch base on anywhere from three to five of them, but three or uh, the three top famous ones that were caught and give a little bio background of them. So the first one was when scrolling and doing, you know, the research on ghost photos just to see what, you know, if we were going to get into this and, you know, like it, you know, what to look for and see if they were faked and whatever, whatever have you. And one of the very first photos that you stumble upon when you do this, this ghost photo search was a photo called the Brown Lady. Now, the portrait of the Brown Lady ghost is one of the, probably the, fo the famous and best documented ghost photograph probably ever taken. And this ghost was said to be of, uh, of a woman named Dorothy Townshend. 
and she was a wife of Charles Townshend. Now, the second Viscount of Ram residence of Ram Hall in uh, Norfolk, England, in the 1700s. This was where this was taking place, where this lady, um, Dorothy Townshend and Charles Townshend, lived around was England, and this was in the 1700s, I believe. Now, it was rumored that Dorothy, before her marriage to Charles, had been a, basically, side piece, have you, or mistress of Lord Wharton. Now, Charles, her future husband, suspected that Dorothy was cheating on him, and according to the records, she actually died and was buried. Like the records have it that she was buried in seventeen twenty-five or twenty-six. It was suspected that there was a, that the funeral was actually um, faked. It was a fake funeral, and believed that because of her infidelity, Charles actually locked his wife up in a part of the house until she actually ended up dying many years later. And now this is where this ghost photo comes in. In the particular house where Charles and Dorothy lived, there is a staircase. And if you Google the picture of the brown lady, there's a staircase and it looks like a white veiled figure descending down the stairs. And you can clearly see the head and this white dress. And it's just floating there in the staircase. And it's... A very famous photo that was taken in 1936 by Captain Provand and Indre Shahura, two photographers who were assigned to photograph the Ram Hall of the Country Life magazine. And this all happened, and this was photographed by them. And upon developing the film, the image of the brown lady appeared, and it was the first time that anyone had seen the ghost on camera. And it was actually published in December 16, 1936 in the issue of Country Life. And the ghost occasionally after this photo has been seen on the property. And that's one of the most famous pictures that was taken in the 30s with a very historical background um, involving a fake funeral and infidelity. And the brown lady was caught in 1936 on, on film. Another one is, this one is pretty interesting because it involved military and it was a photo taken of a group of soldiers. And when I first seen this as a kid, I wondered like, what am I looking at here? Because you have to really look at the photo because within the group photo, it's almost like a class picture. There is one particular soldier and if you look in the back of him, there's another face out of line with everybody lined up. Now the photo was taken in 1919. And it was published in 1975 by Victor Godard, a retired RAF officer. And the photo is a group photo, as I said, of the uh, Godard Squadron, which had served in World War One. And this was at a training facility where they were partaking in, you know, routine training before going off to war. And a extra face appeared in the photo in the back of an airman positioned on the top row fourth from the left in the photo. And like I said, you could see this particular individual and in the very back of him is another man. And what they claim is it's the face of Freddie Jackson, a mechanic 
who had been accidentally killed by an airplane propeller two days prior to the photo being taken. His funeral had been taking place on the day, the, actually the, the funeral took place the day the photograph was snapped. So he died two days prior of the photo, but his funeral was going on the day of the photo. Uh, members of the squadron recognized the face as Jackson's face. It's been suggested that Jackson, unaware of his death, decided to show up for the group photo. Now we hear in paranormal lore that things happen so fast that spirits may not actually realize that they're dead, that they still roam, thinking that everything is peaches and cream, something like along the lines of the movie Sixth Sense. Now this is one that I actually posted on my Instagram page, SWAB underscore podcast on Instagram. I thought this photo to be fake when I had first seen it. Again, reviewing all the photos that I thought were, you know, all the photos that I started reviewing as a as a child, growing up, getting the interest in the paranormal. This photo is it looks like almost like the Grim Reaper, um, clinging to the banisters of a staircase, going up it from the very bottom, going to the top. It's one of, to me, in my opinion more famous than the brown lady photo. And um, it was from a clergy member. I believe his name was um, Raphael Hardy or Ralph Hardy. And he was from British Columbia. And he's the one that took the photo in 1966 of this Grim Reaper-like photo uh, ghost. He was actually, his intentions were to take a picture of the staircase because at the time this particular staircase was almost a, an upcoming a elegant structure in houses. It was um, a, a tulip staircase and it was in the Queen's House section of a national museum in England. Now upon the development it revealed a figure climbing the stairs seeming to be holding on to the banisters and they had the photo analyzed by Kodak, which is, you know, big in film and cameras. They actually examined the negative. Now, we're living in times where photography is strictly via your cell phone or digital photography. Way back when, we had these gigantic square-looking cameras, and the lens were essentially like accordion, right? And the flash went off. And the film was taken to a room and developed and we had everything with negatives. When I began paranormal investigation, everything was done with a 35mm camera where I would take the photos to a Rite Aid or CVS, develop the photos, look through them and I would have the negatives. And one of the things that I would try to do if I caught something was look at the photo, find the anomaly and then go right back to the 35 millimeter negative to look. And this is what Kodak did on this photo that was taken in 1966 of this tulip staircase ghost, the title of this ghostly picture, the tulip staircase ghost. Um, it's one of the craziest photos that I remember growing up and, um, it's been reviewed by Kodak and is said to be 100% genuine upon review of the negatives. Now, the last photo that I will review that spooked me to the core 
And I tried at the time trying to figure out a way that this, this has to be something that was a mistake. There had to be someone in the back seat or maybe it was a, a flash or a glare creating a, a duplicate of the person that was in the front seat. And the photo is conveniently titled The Backseat Ghost. Now, Mabel Cheerney was visiting a grave of her mother one day in 1959. She had brought along her camera to take photographs of the gravesite. After snapping a few shots of her mother's gravestone, she took an impromptu photo of her husband, who was waiting alone in the car. At least the Cheerneys thought he was alone. When the film was developed, the couple was more surprised to see a figure wearing glasses sitting in the back seat of the car. Mrs. Cheerney immediately recognized the images of her mother, the woman whose grave they had visited that day. A photographic expert who examined the print determined that the image of the woman was neither a reflection nor a double exposure. So in this photo, I always thought it was a another man in the back seat but if you google the back seat ghost you can clearly see a man taking um a man riding in a car and in the very back it's you could see a face and it almost appears like the eyes are white but it does look like there is you can't make out whether it's a female or male but and according to the documentation of this photo it was the mother of the two visiting the gravesite that day um and uh it was the, the mother of the um, Mabel Cheerney who was visiting her mother's grave that day in 1959. And if you look at, again, if you look at the backseat ghost photo, you'll see an image of a face. I can't make out whether it's a male or female. I always thought it was a male. And upon reviewing for the podcast, I was like, oh, wow, it's, it's a female. I never really looked into it, but always knew that this is one of the famous photos. So that these are the photos that were like stood out to me. And I I guess I'll give you a honorable mention. I always thought this one was completely fake. This could have been anything. And this was the ghost of the Booth Hill Cemetery. Now you have a picture of a cowboy. And in the back, it looks like another cowboy coming out of the grass, right? And I'm like, that's just someone in the background playing along with the photo. Um... Terry Clanton, an actor, recording artist, and he's a, I guess what they call a poet, cowboy poet, and is also a relative of the legendary Clanton gang who clashed with the Earps and Doc Holliday at the famous gunfight at the OK Corral. Clanton took a photo of his friend at Booth Hill Graveyard. The photo was taken in black and white because he wanted the feel of an old western style photo. He was dressed like a cowboy and he had pictures of himself dressed like the Clantons in the 1880 period clothing. Clanton took the film for developing at a local drift store. When he got the photo back, he was startled at what he saw. Among the gravestones, just over his shoulder to the right of his friend, the image of what appears to be a thin man in a dark hat with a black cowboy hat it appears to be either a legless person or someone kneeling or rising out of the ground. Now, there's more to the picture. Like, they claim that there was no one in the background when they took this photo. They just tried to get Terry in the photo and the gravestones. 
and apparently there's this faceless or very vague face of a man with a cowboy hat peeking out of the grass. It always looked like he was peeking or kneeling. Um, one of the articles I read basically said that he had no legs, but as an honorable mention, this person was taking a photo at Booth Hill Cemetery, has uh, family relativity to one of the most famous shootouts in Western stories and caught a cowboy apparition in the background. And the claims were that no one was there except him, his friend, and the person taking the photograph. Now, these are some of the photos that I grew up Googling or Yahooing at the time, going on web TV, looking at these photos and looking at videos um, way before YouTube was, I think, even a thing. And these photos were the first of paranormal, you know, evidence out there. And it's what got me into conducting investigations and going through my own film and my own 35 millimeter film. Now, instead of just ending the podcast on a note where, okay, these are all real, a lot of things have been talked over into why some why we get some of these images. And one of them is the fact that there is uh, double negatives um, where you will take a photo at, the, at that time period with these cameras and there might have been another photo kind of merged onto a, a, a photo frame and when you develop it you'll see two images one being the predominant image of that photo and another one a remnants of another photo that kind of got dragged into one um i believe the term is double negative so um that's one thing that a lot of people including that co uh, the photo where kodak got involved tried to see if it was you know true or not if if any of that happened um but that happened a lot during the times of the, you know, 1800s to the 1900s where photography was starting to uptick. And you see a lot of that in paranormal investigation at that time or paranormal evidence. And you have to distinguish whether or not that was actually, in fact, you know, a double negative or um, that predicament happening. Um, another thing was lighting wasn't all that well. So if you took photos of, you wanted to take a photo of someone and the lighting wasn't that great, you get these weird glares and, you know, figures. You take a picture of someone and if the lighting wasn't right, the lighting might make a, a light figure behind it or in front of it. So there was a lot of obstacles in photography back then that could be mistaken for paranormal. The ones that I reviewed here, according to um, professional photography um, people in that field, the photos I just went over were 100% you know unexplainable and those are some of the iconic ghost photos to this day now we're living in times where you know we can get ample evidence and also fake a lot of stuff I am one of the thousands on a reddit thread for paranormal activity paranormal photography and there are people posting things every day that I don't really comment um, sometimes I do rarely, but I look at it. I'm like, that's lighting, that's matrixing. Um, once in a blue, you'll see a photo that's completely like, wow, that's, that's pretty good. That might be something. Um, but nowadays photography is good, but there can be a lot of editing done. It's too easy to edit back then is you couldn't edit 
You know, you just you caught what you got, and it was one of three factors involved in in regards to catching something that looked weird. It could have been three things that led to that photo looking paranormal. Nowadays, with digital cameras and using computers, you can edit anything into photos. I can do it from my phone. I could put my face into Jason Tatum's body, and people will think that's me. So that's the world we're living in. But I wanted to review these iconic photos because this is the photos that I looked at growing up being intrigued by the paranormal and giving the backstory of them. And um, I'm going to go and post when I air this episode and I drop it on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, and the other outlets. I'll include some of those photos so that you can see that what I talked about and you can find the photos and all the details about them at SWAB underscore podcast. So everything I spoke about on this episode will be included on the posts on Instagram, letting everybody know this episode aired. So this has been another episode of the Say What Again Billy podcast. I'd like to thank the Anchor app for giving me the opportunity to talk about these historical paranormal photos. And if you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it is the free app that gives you all the tools and tricks you need to get your very own podcasting idea out there to airways like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other outlets. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Be sure to go on my Instagram page, SWAB underscore podcast, which is short for the Say What Again Billy podcast, and catch all the news, updates, and episodes. Only a few more episodes until season two concludes. Hope to join me again on another episode. Thanks for listening. This has been another episode of the Say What Again Billy podcast.